Bunch of Kinds Banana. You guys, welcome to True Crime Obsessed. Um, before we get to the show, just a reminder, if you are looking for more fun, laughs, good times, or more of Jillian and I talking about the Manson family, uh-huh. go to the Patreon. There's over 150 full bonus episodes for you to download and binge right now, but there's also a bunch of our live shows. We did a Manson doc for our second ever live show, and it's pretty hilarious, if I do say so myself. It was a documentary where they had just uncovered all of this footage from the ranch, like yes. before, like after the murders, but before any arrests. It's yes. wild. It is really wild, you guys. And it was like us in our infancy. Like we were so little and young and the show was <laughs> awesome. And I just remember I was wearing a wig at one point. I don't know. It's bananas. You guys should go watch it. We were young and full of dreams back then. <laughs> but you can also hear our coverage of everything from like making a murderer to the staircase to the vow, the which vow. we are in the middle of right now. And we are both bananas obsessed with. Yeah. My DMs are flooded on a daily basis telling me how furious I'm going to be. Am I furious? Just how furious am I? And I'm like, girl, join Lady Pates and you'll be on this wild ride with me. It really is crazy, you guys. It's crazy. You can join us at truecrimeobsessed.com. Uh, click on the Patreon link or go to patreon.com slash truecrimeobsessed. You guys get excited for Unsolved Mysteries. Every week between now and Christmas, we're doing a Thursday drop covering mm-hmm. the new incarnation of Unsolved Mysteries on Netflix. We're going in order, girl. Yeah, and my favorite thing to always point out is you don't have to do anything. It's yes. in your regular feed. This is not on Lady Pates. You don't have to do anything else. You don't have to join anything. You don't have to do anything. It's just going to surprise. Every yeah. Thursday, here you are. Un- unsolved. <laughs> That's it. You guys, Jillian and I are both obsessed. Ember Wave is the first bracelet that helps you feel cooler or warmer at the press of a button. And guess what, you guys? Spoiler, it really actually works. During the heat wave, which is basically all of the summer as far as I'm concerned, when we were recording, you know the drill. <laughs> the windows closed, no AC. I know. My Ember Wave was a lifesaver during recording. Right. <laughs> so it's like this really cool spot in your wrist where you do feel it. Your whole body is just like, wait a second, this wave of coolness. It's incredible. Truly. So I use it when we go to bed because Steve is always cold and I am always hot. So rather than getting divorced, mm-hmm. Ember Wave came and saved our marriage because I just put my Ember Wave on. I put the little cool button on and it cools me right down. You guys, this was developed by three MIT scientists. It doesn't say that they're hot, but I'm assuming that they are hot as an attractive. And that's not a pun either, right? With the hot and the no. cold on the wrist. They're just, look, smart people making my temperature feel nice. Look, hot. I mean, just think about it, you guys. It's so hard to find a temperature control in a space that you share with any people that works for everybody. This way, you are taking the power back, girl. I think you love it because it's all about you. It's all about you and your thing and your feeling. And look, I get cranky when I when my temperature doesn't work for me. I know. I got to tell you, I'm not very pleasant to be around. Thank you, Ember Wave, for making it nicer for me and everyone in my life. It also looks really cool. It's like this silver sleek design. It just looks like you're wearing a cool trendy bracelet. Yeah, you don't have to like put your head in the freezer. It's a very like cool, chic way to cool yourself down. You guys, Ember Wave has been reviewed by a number of leading publications like Wired, Fast Company, Vogue, Men's Health, and CNBC. And True Crime Obsessed. You guys, right now, Ember Wave is offering our listeners $50 off when you go to emberwave.com slash TCO. And that's E-M-B-R wave.com slash TCO. And we love you. We love you. Go cool down or warm up, whatever you got to (laughs) do. talking about today? We're talking about Manson, the women on Oxygen. Look, I feel like I've gotten to know Charles Manson through you. And I feel <laughs> like... Sorry about this- that. 
What was your take on this one? I thought it was way too long. Yeah. It was like I've never spoken to Squeaky like this before. I know. She's a real piece of work. Sandra Good. Like it is it is very confusing and very disjointed and it's like, well, maybe they did a great job because I kind of feel like I encountered the cult because nothing makes any sense really and I'm all like, wait, wait, how is this connected to what she just said? Oh, it's not. Oh, okay, great. I didn't have any family to speak of. She wanted desperately to be part of something. Everything was about Charlie. I never saw fulfillment and happiness in the people I looked up to. I'd say meeting Manson saved my life. I, um, I'm thankful. From my perspective, I was looking for a place to be a part of something bigger than just myself. That's a person who is vulnerable was hard to live with. I felt this overwhelming guilt, just guilty by association. Squeaky wanted to rebel. Charlie, he's the smartest person I ever met. He was alive. He had what I wanted. So this thing starts, and my notes already say there are five minutes of coming up on and it's all bananas. It goes on. And it's one of those things. I can't believe that documentaries and shows still do this. I can't believe that we've said at least 10 times on this podcast. I didn't know when the thing actually started, but I just kind of went with it. One of my favorite things that we see in that like crazy five minutes of coming up on, we see Snake, who again, you guys go to the paints and watch our live show where we covered the Manson thing because we talk about Snake for 10 hours and she's like now this like sweet old lady, but her name in the cult was Snake and she's just casually drinking a cup of tea and her name is Snake. I just kind of can't get that in my head. I know. I have, let's, we'll, uh, so, <laughs> so they go in order with the women. We like meet yeah. the women. So we'll get into her, but our narrator says something when I'm like, I guess we're starting now because she says why were these women willing to abandon the lives they had known for a five foot two inch ex-con like manson for a five foot two inch ex-con like manson that struck me i know as so because he's a little shrimp he's like a total monster but he's he is like a shrimpy puny little guy i love right at the top we got to throw that in the only comparison i can make five two is exactly how tall christian chenoweth is theater queens Uh when she was on the west wing they did a bit where they did a walk and talk with her and allison janney and somebody opened the top door of a file cabinet and she walked under it that's how little charles manson is yes So we learn about these women one by one. Yes. And we start with Catherine Cher and her nickname in the cult was Gypsy. Now, I know Gypsy is a slur. I know that that's not a cool thing to say, but that was her name. And they took their names super seriously. So, but her name is Catherine. And they all have little, little subtitles. So Catherine, she was the orphan. So her backstory is really fucking brutal, right? Right. And, you know, I got to say Gypsy of all of the women we meet, her and Snake, just get used to it, you guys. It took me a minute, but just get there. They are the ones that are like the the sorriest. I just can't even watch myself talking about it. It's just horrible. Gypsy and Snake don't believe the bullshit anymore. Right. Squeaky and Sandy Good still super do. A million percent. And so we get Gypsy's backstory. She was born in France. It seems that she was the product of a rape, that her mother was raped by like a military officer. Her birth mother then took her own life. She was then adopted by American parents. My mother who adopted me got cancer and died when I was 16. She took her own life also because she thought she might be a burden. And then I was estranged from my stepfather. 
her story is so fucked up and it's so sad and it's like I literally was like we do nothing but talk about cults on this podcast we are officially a fucking cult podcast at this point I did it yeah (laughs) (laughs) and I never ever understand how anybody falls for it I totally get how this poor young girl was in a position where she needed anybody she needed fucking anyone to give a shit about her right and these women and they were kids at the time which we have to remember this is not the vow this is not a 30 year old who wants attention and wants to go into an MLM and then suddenly the train has left the station and we're being branded and it's a sex cult and there's all this abuse like these were kids and that's what Manson did we've been over this a hundred times this is the type of people he preyed on and they were all girls so speaking of young girls Diane Lake this is Snake you guys we're with Snake and I gotta tell you like the fact that her name in the cult was Snake and she really just seems like a sweet old lady now it's it's too dichotomous for my brain to be able to process well what's interesting too is in this documentary she says she didn't choose that name and she didn't like it I ended up with the nickname Snake which I didn't particularly like but I seem to remember, I thought she embraced it in the other one. And, and the one we did in our live show, I feel like the sweet little old lady Diane was like, and I kind of liked it. And now she doesn't like it. <laughs> Revisionist history, Snake. We're not falling for it, girl. Right. You guys, Snake was 13 years old. I am going to sob. Like, this is so fucking shitty. Her mm-hmm. dad was such a piece of shit that all he wanted to do was like live in a commune and be a hippie. My mom gave up everything for my dad's dream of dropping out. We had a big yard sale and moved into a bread truck. Five of us, you know, three kids and two adults, and we were supposed to be doing it with these other members of this uh, commune. They get to a commune where Snake is 13 years old and apparently sexually active, and that made, like, the people who ran the commune uncomfortable. So rather than, like, her parents just being parents, they offer her emancipation at 13 years old and just send her on her way. Yeah, they let her get kicked out of a commune because she's having sex at 13 years old. Yeah, let that sink in, America. We didn't even ask you to pull over i feel bad yeah that's the 60s for if you're listening to the manson episode come on you get it right right i love that somebody put this on and saw what it was and they're like oh shit they were like looking for any exit off the highway yeah they're they're 40 minutes late to whatever their thing is to work their appointment whatever wear a mask wherever you go wear the mask i don't care how late you are wear the mask so then we meet lynette squeaky from aka as oxygen calls her the teenage runaway i cannot believe we're hearing from squeaky like i can't i can't believe it i'm so glad glad to hear you say that because before I heard her speak and the bat shit fucking crazy throw her back in jail shit that came out of her mouth I was like oh my god I was a little starstruck because no. especially if you're a musical theater kid and you know about assassins like Squeaky From is like a thing it's like kind of amazing I am nothing you are wind and devil and God Charlie my blood and my body for your love. Let me feel fire, let me drink poison, tell me to tear my heart in two. Again, not to be like, oh, go watch the live show on the page, but like the shit that she did in those old videos that they found for that other thing, she's like licking knives and shit. Like, it's crazy. Remember the rifle? She was like yes. holding the shotgun? Totally. She's like 18. You guys, she's 18, but she looks like she's 13. Like, it's fucking crazy. And so she's here with us now. She's sitting in some room. I don't know if you noticed this, but she's like, the decoration in the room is a fireplace that is clearly fake. Oh, yeah. It's like a heater. You get it like Bed Bath & Beyond. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Home goods. Totally. <laughs> so she tells us. I was 18, and then my dad threw me out. 
we had started to argue. He was, he just didn't want the interaction with me. And look, I can't imagine Squeaky was an easy kid to raise. No. But stop kicking your kids out of your house and like in the 60s. Like these parents, there was such a disconnect between the kids in the 60s and their parents. Like that shit was real. And so this happened to all of them. Yeah. We're, we're back with Blue, the true believer. What's her real name? Sandra Good. Okay. This, she's like, move over Squeaky. Sandy Good is really who I want to dive into today. Wouldn't you love to see the community theater Chicago with Sandy Good and Squeaky from... Yes. As, as Velma and Roxy. Velma and Roxy. Squeaky is for sure the Velma. And right? I think that Susan Good is for sure the Roxy. Yeah. Great. Let's do yeah. this. I'm in. <laughs> and, and so Sandra Good, the true believer, she tells us. Lynn's father was an aeronautical engineer from Southern California. My stepfather was an aeronautical engineer. We had a lot of similarities in my upbringing, but I'd say I was more upper middle class. I mean, we would be in the society column at Christmas time, looking pretty and photogenic. We were always in the society pages at Christmas time, looking like the perfect family. And I'm like, Sandy. Her shade to Squeaky. She's like, well, Squeaky and I had a lot in common, except I come from money, is basically right. what she said. Old money, like yes. like the good kind of money, like the old money, like the racist money, like that right, kind of right. money. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And she is crazy, you guys. Just buckle your seatbelts, because she is out of her mind. And she tells us the story about, like, by the time she was a year old, she had two tracheotomies. And she's, and again, unreliable narrators as yeah. far as the eye can see. Because she's telling us, like, My mother did not want me to survive the many operations I had. I know that for a fact. She conveyed it daily. Look. Parents can be monsters. I've been present when parents say shitty things like this to their kids. I know yeah. that it happens. Yeah. But Sandy Good from the Manson family is telling us the story. So you got to take it with a little bit of a grain of salt here. Something definitely went wrong in this young lady's life because she is out of her mind. Right. And she's 24. She's getting to the vow level. Totally. <laughs> you know what you're getting into yeah. with this MLM, this murder cult here. Okay? Enough. Totally. And she tells us about meeting Charles Manson in the canyon or whatever. And she is thrilled to tell us the story. It's like it just happened to her yesterday. And she's like, we walked outside and he looked at my throat and he traced his finger around my tracheotomy scar. And he said, your mother wanted you dead because she was jealous. <gasps> he saw my scars of my tracheotomy and he read my mind and I don't even care like what he looked like knowing like I know he's a scrawny little shrimp but I'm going with this guy anyway and I'm like okay so within five minutes Sandra Good quits her job tells her roommate sell my skis sell the scuba gear I just bought she was real outdoorsy girl I was like how much camping shit does she have too her skis and scuba that means she's active <laughs> all throughout the year <laughs> she never has a down season you guys and she had a job like she was kind of, she had a great life tells her roommate who needs it you can have it you can sell it. you can burn it for all i care i'm in the cult now all right jesus for someone who's so active and like one with nature she's very intense and aggressive can you imagine the person like who the actual roommate was who like moved in with this nutcase and in two days was like oh shit i signed that lease for a year now what but great you know what now you don't have to live with sandra good i know done <laughs> 
She has a line in the live show one that we covered where Steve and I say this in our house all the time because you guys, we're going to learn that like when they all like move in with Charlie in order to get food, they have to dumpster dive and we're going to get there in a second. But when they're like talking to the camera and telling the camera what they were able to get out of the dumpster, Sandra Good, AKA Blue goes from the back row. She goes, well, don't forget the artichokes. Oh, she was artichoke? (laughs) Yeah. Don't forget the artichokes. I'm like, but you're dumpster diving. Like that's not a happy way to be. Anyway. Pulling potato salad out of a dumpster in a hot California afternoon. I cannot handle With it. With dirty feet. I know. And dirty hands and dirt under your fingernails. And they're all like, we just like made everyone's salad and it was wonderful. <laughs> like, shut up. Travel down the road back again. Girl, Nutrafol is back. I'm going to lay some fact bombs on you. Are you ready? I am so ready. 30 million women are impacted by weakened or thinning hair. If you are among them, know you're not alone and that there's a solution you can trust to deliver results. That's right. And thousands of women have taken back control of their hair with Nutrafol, with many users raving that the supplement not only transformed their hair, but restored their confidence too. You don't have thinning hair, but you've tried it. Have you noticed a difference? So yes, it takes time to do. Just saying, it's a commitment. I shed a lot to begin with. I'm a (laughs) shedder and Nutrafol has definitely helped with the shedding and Mike is very happy happy about that. You guys, in a clinical study, 86% of women reported improved hair growth after six months. More than 1,500 top doctors recommend Nutrafol as an effective and high quality solution for healthier hair. Yeah, so you can grow thicker, healthier hair, and support True Crime Obsessed by going to Nutrafol.com and using promo code TCO, and new customers will get 20% off. This is their best offer available anywhere, so do it. Don't miss out. Plus, free shipping on every order, you guys. That's 20% off at Nutrafol.com. Dot com spelled N-U-T-R-A-F-O-L dot com. Promo code TCO, you guys. Yeah. In three to six months, you won't be shedding so much anymore, probably. <laughs> so Squeaky is 18. You know, she just got kicked out by her dad. She says to us, she was like, so I just started wandering around hoping to find some hippies. Guess what, Squeaky? You're in luck. It's the 60s in California. Good chance you're going to meet some hippies. I had thought I could find some hippies. Charlie, he had been going somewhere else, and instead of stopped off in Venice, walked down the road. He didn't see me until he got close enough, and then he said, so your father kicked you out. This is one of the things where it's like, he's not a genius. It's just like, he took all the context clues. He's like, so got kicked out by your father, huh? Because she's an 18 year old kid wandering the streets looking for hippies. Like, (laughs) what else happened? Right. But she's blown away by this obvious statement. She's in hook, line, and sinker. I just said a million times, like, I fucking hate it when people talk about this idiot. Like, he was an evil genius. I know. You know what I mean? He wasn't an evil genius, you guys. No, he was not. I've just had it with cult leaders. Like, I've just had it. Between this and the vow, girl, I'm really at the end of my rope with these men. They're exhausting. Oh, the men. Oh, they're exhausting. There's some meme where it's like, hi, like you've been in contact with a man. You may be entitled to compensation. It's like... They're the worst. <laughs> yep. So we just, we learned that like these women were in hog heaven. They are all in. They're dumpster diving with no shoes on. They are like living on the kindness of strangers and just like traveling up and down the California coast in like a beat up like VW wagon. And recruiting people who are exactly like them. And Squeaky's like, he wasn't recruiting anyone. And I'm like, that's exactly, exactly what mm-hmm. he was doing and exactly what you have been told to do by him. So stop it. I mean, he was not recruiting anybody. What it was is 
We were discovering America. Yeah, and it's like you can see the appeal for the again. I one of the people in this like band of hooligans is a thirteen year old girl. How's that going, you guys? Right. Jesus Christ. Actually, not well. So pull over, everybody. <laughs> Content warning for uh, sexual assault and rape. You guys have a flask with you in the car at this point, right? I am not advocating drinking and driving. I'm saying pull over and get ready to spend the night and call a cab. Yeah, totally. <laughs> Or whatever, obviously. Uh, I'm on the 405, and the cabbie is like, oh, you've been listening to that True Crime Obsessed. We'll be right there, ma'am. Again? Right. All right, Janet, we'll be right there. So, so Snake is now 14. And Snake, in one of the most disturbing things I've ever seen, truly, like still to this day reminisces about the first time she had sex with Charles Manson. Again, she's 14, he's 34. And she's like, he took me that night and made love to me like I'd never experienced before in a way that you know made me feel like a woman it was the most magical you know uh that i had ever encountered it was magical he made me feel like a woman the way she describes being raped by charles manson is chilling in this moment because she's still the memories of this encounter to her today are still good ones yeah she doesn't realize what happened to her still and she's out she's one of the ones who like got out and like went on and had right. a, a like seemingly happy and healthy life but she looks back fondly on her sexual experiences well some of them with charles manson it is fucking chilling and so we get meredith one of our experts and she's like you know manson used sex as a way to increase the dependence on him that's true that's all valid as she's discussing just the 60s and the sex and the drugs of it all, yeah. we get this footage of <laughs> two hippies at Woodstock. <laughs> so this guy is just staring, like gaping with his mouth open at this woman and he's pawing at her, but not looking at her. He's just uh-huh. pawing at her and she's like grooving to the music. It is a tragic, drugged up mess. Somebody get those two kids out of the sun and three bottles of water and somebody call their parents. I can't. I mean, the way this guy, like, you're not even, how is that? Oh, God, this is really going to make me sound like someone's grandmother. How is that even fun? I know, I know. He's not even looking at her. Like, what is happening? Get a grip. People talk about Woodstock like it was amazing. It sounds like fucking torture camp to me. Yeah. Torture camp. Yeah, no. So it's the spring of 1968. It's like, remember, this started in 1967, which is like two years before the murders, which is what we're really here to talk about. So it's the spring of 1968. All these women have been with him for like a year and they move to the Spawn Ranch in Southern California. And this is his first attempt at like isolating these people. Right. And so he's got like 20 women now. And so George Spawn owned this ranch. It used to be the set of these old Westerns. It used to be a very, very famous kind of cool place. And he was old. He was blind. And the deal was the women would work the ranch in exchange for everyone's room and board. The women would take care of the mules and clean out the stalls and work around the ranch. They could stay there for free if all the girls would do the work, but in the bad way, like we're yeah. forced to do the farm work and shit. And then they would also be having sex with George as well and like working him sexually. And George Spawn was one of the people who helped them pick their names. And like right. Squeaky <laughs> tells this actual like horrible story. He would put his hand on our arm. I kind of went, and he started calling me Squeaky. That's how I became Squeaky. And I'm like, that's not a cute story. It's not a cute story, but I had never heard it. I just learned how Squeaky From got her name. Me too. 
crazy. But they say this was a turning point for the women because this is when he made his like real attempt to isolate them, brainwash them. We're told there were no clocks. There was no news. There was no TV. There was no newspapers. So all of the information that these people were getting from the outside world was coming strictly from Charles Manson. No question. And why are we pretending like there were no men there? It's so weird. Why are we only focusing on the women? Because it was mostly women and that's who he used to lure the other people. So like Tex and Bobby Beausoleil, like, okay, but when you would see Charles Manson in the dune buggy or whatever, like driving yeah. down the 405, yeah. it would be him and like six young girls. We learned in the other documentary that he made all the guys do all the gay stuff. Remember that? Yeah. You guys, thought you should see this in the live show. I have like arrows. Every time we see like a good looking guy, I'm like, did the gay stuff. There was one in particular who he Paul. told a story. Paul, excuse me. Um, he came, he was like, I was only there for a couple days. It was like yeah. all sex and drugs. And then I got the hell out of there. So thank God for that. But they like pulled him in and that, so he would get men that he thought like could help him with his kind of stuff because it was the majority it was women it was girls it just sounds like a shitty existence no electricity they're eating out of dumpsters again I ask why does anybody stay they thought they had nothing for it they were either kicked out or they were looking for something else it was the 60s and they were doing like a lot of drugs together he was making it very us and them and so when you're in your formative years of 16 and you're on acid where's that 14 year old gonna go anyway you guys her parents abandoned her I can't cannot get over that. I know. And to be fair, I would be concerned about the like overly sexually active 13 year old too cult. Yes. But then you deal with that. Exactly. You, you don't feed them to a cult, which is what her parents did. Right. I'm saying the original cult was like, we don't really feel comfortable with the overactive sexual 13 year old, which is like, okay, well yeah. don't kick her out, like nurture her maybe or exactly. something. Right. I know. I what know. the hell do I know? So now it's the fall of 1968. You guys, we meet this tall drink of water, Leslie Van Houten. Leslie was, you know, I remember her being like, you know, the prom princess, California high school. In the 60s, her parents got divorced, which today doesn't seem like a big deal. But um, back then it was. Yeah, she's a 19-year-old runaway, but she was like the prom queen. Like she was another one who was like Sandra Good was like, she's more my speed because she wasn't like some kind of mess. Like she came from a great upbringing. Yeah, and Snake says, I I cannot believe we're calling her Snake. We call her Diane. (laughs) No, I want to call her Snake. It's her name. But Snake is saying that like she was kind of fascinated by Leslie because like you said, Leslie had been the prom queen and she'd been to high school. And then Snake goes. And I had never been to high school at that point. How fucking sad is that? I know. I know. She went right from being a third. I, but the Snake feels like, the, again, Snake. She feels like she had to grow up fast or she was, she was just like, she had no supervision at all. You can tell her parents didn't give a shit about her. I know. Every time I see her like nice house, I'm like, how did you end up there? Good for you. I think that all the time. I thought that a lot in Wild Wild Country too, where uh-huh. I was like, your whole thing was giving up your belongings until you were 35. And now you live in this like beautiful cabin overlooking just acres I, and I acres know. of gorgeous pine trees. How? How did you do this? That also sounds like torture camp for me, but yes. I know. But it's a beautiful, like, getaway, but they live there. Yeah. But, like, Leslie gets brought in because, like, again, like a crazy background where... She went from being with the the cool kids in school to being shunned by them. She started using drugs. And she got pregnant. Her mother also recoiled physically from Leslie when she told her she was pregnant. And... It was devastating. You guys, this is so 
awful. Her mother forces her to have an abortion. They bury the fetus in the backyard and then they basically throw her out. And she meets Gypsy somewhere and Gypsy's like, you're pretty. Like, you'd fit right in at the ranch and Leslie just moves in. Yeah, you're pretty and sad and kind of need to feel like you're part of a family. Come with me, won't you? And Leslie's like, okay. And honestly, if I were her, I would have probably said, I'll check it out. Because where else are you going to go? Like, what, are you going to sleep at the beach for the rest of your life? Like, what do you do? Totally traumatized by what my mom, like, forced me to do and then doing drugs. And, like, she was just a lost kid. So... We now get this whole, like, 10-minute section where they're talking about LSD. You guys, LSD is, like, is that a thing people still do? Like, is that still around? I don't know. Can you imagine? (laughs) I don't know if it's a thing. But we learn that Charles is using this LSD as, like, mind control, basically. Charles Manson would have the women take LSD and then reenact the crucifixion of Christ with him as the central figure. He had them take LSD trips together and that made them even more reliant on each other and susceptible to him. He has them all like tripping on LSD. Then he like pretends to be Jesus at one point, like reenacting the crucifixion. Right. Girl, can you settle down? Something that they leave out here, which is very important. He would either take no LSD or a lot less than everyone else. So he can Uh totally control the situation. So there are all these people doing all this LSD. And at one point, Catherine is like, oh, I was an acid head. I totally (laughs) lost who I was. I was like, you're an acid head. Well, that's Gypsy. And she says, I was already an acid head. By that time, I took so much that I lost who I was. I went around picking flowers and gave them to everybody, and I was just in this childlike state for a long time. I was doing so much fucking acid that I basically reverted to childhood. She's like, I would go around and pick up flowers and just bring flowers to people because she was so out of her mind. Squeaky tells us... LSD was an experience you didn't want to have too often because trying to take it too often was almost like trying to grab knowledge. That was a a roller coaster for me, those 10 (laughs) seconds, because Squeaky's like, you don't want to take LSD too often. And I'm like, oh, cool. Not expecting that. That sounds like totally rational. And Uh then she kind of the eyes like click. And she's like, because it's like you're trying to take too much of the knowledge from the universe, you see. And I'm like, Squeaky, you had me. You had me going for a second there. I don't understand. Like, I grew up so afraid of drugs. I don't understand how everybody else didn't. Like, I feel like if I were to take LSD, I'd be the person who saw the cockroaches on his arm uh-huh. and like, just, like, ripped his arm off. Like, yes. Those are the stories I heard about growing up. That's the thing. LSD is, like, not interesting to me. When you don't know what you're going to... You're not guaranteed the knowledge, Squeaky. Sometimes you get the cockroaches, girl. Sometimes you get, like, the <laughs> demons and shit. That's the thing, too, it's like that I've read about. The thing about LSD, it's like if you're open to it, like you'll have a good trip. But if you're you and you're like, everything's going to be horrible, everything's going to be horrible, then it's going to be the worst. I'm like, I see myself on actual fire. Like it's you're not the you're not the right demo for the LSD. I'm a little high strung for LSD, Mm -hmm. I think. I feel like even like the hippiest or like the someone like the most knowledgeable person about LSD or because you're supposed to go have like a babysitter and also don't fucking babysit me i'm fine like i feel like they'd say to you girl mm -mm, i'm gonna pass on this this is not good for anybody not to wander too far afield on this but did you know that gwyneth paltrow had some shitty netflix show about her her business she sent all of her employees to like ecuador to do ayahuasca oh shit ayahuasca is 
not LSD though. No, but like Gwyneth was not doing it, and I just remember her like gay assistant like lying on the ground asking for the hot one to come over and rub his face. She didn't do it. <laughs> no, she didn't Gwen. even go on the trip. Of course she didn't. <laughs> HelloFresh is back. HelloFresh has really saved my marriage. My marriage is needing a lot of saving with these products, you guys. <laughs> but the thing is, they're all doing it, which is really great. If you are not a cook like me or like my husband, Steve, having HelloFresh in the refrigerator, just knowing it's there, it's going to take you less than 30 minutes to make dinner. You're going to have one of like many options of like delicious, healthy food. Really, it's such a stress reliever in my house. That is from my heart. It's not wasteful at all because they send you exactly the measurements that you need. So you're not buying like all of this parsley when you just need a little bit of it or cilantro or whatever. Who needs extra parsley, girl? Not me. No question. No. <laughs> On top of that, you can save 40% by using HelloFresh versus shopping at your local grocery store. So you're saving money, you're saving time, you're saving resources, and you're saving marriages? You guys, wherever you are in your day or your evening right now, imagine not having to worry about what you're having for dinner. Because you got HelloFresh in the fridge. You are breathing a sigh of relief just knowing that if it's true for you. If it's not true for you, it could be by next week. <laughs> right, and you look at the images and you're like, first of all, there's no way I can do this and there's no way I can do this and not 10 hours. The recipes, they're simple enough that you can do them, but they feel really fancy when you're eating them. Tell me about the tilapia you had. Oh my God, this Louisiana style. I made the slaw. <laughs> it was really crispy tilapia and potato wedges. It was really, really nice. And it took like a half an hour, 35 minutes. And it's a nice thing for me. It's like something I do for me. I really, really love HelloFresh. I consider it like meditation. I'm just like, here I am with my amazing meal. Oh. So you guys go to HelloFresh.com slash 80TCO and use the code 80TCO to get a total of $80 off across five boxes, including free shipping on your first box. And one more time, because I want to save as many marriages as possible. Go to HelloFresh.com slash 80TCO and use code 80TCO to get a total of $80 off across five boxes, including free shipping on your first box. Come on. It's the best deal in town and your marriage lives to see another day. <laughs> Girl, Helix is back. Uh, girl, it's my turn to tell a story, girl. How right am I about Helix? <laughs> you are so right. So we moved to a new place. We got a king-size bed, and so it was time to change our mattress, you guys. So we got a Helix. We went to the website. The whole thing is you take a quiz, right? And Steve and I are very different body types. We're very different temperature types. He sleeps on his stomach. I sleep on my back. And still somehow, Helix matched us with the Midnight Lux, just like you and Mike. <laughs> See? And it's the same thing. Different body types, different kind of sleepers, different temperatures, but it works, right? And it has that memory foam. So Mike comes to bed much later than I do. And I don't get woken up by him. I used to get woken up, but I don't anymore. I don't feel a thing. We have had such a good experience. If you're looking for a mattress, you take the quiz, you order the mattress that you're matched with. You can add on sheets and pillows. We totally added on pillows because you suggested it. We love them. Right? Or anything else you need for your bed. And then the mattress comes right to your door within 10 business days. I was skeptical about that, girl, but it happened. And it came in the box all rolled up. And then you just let it yes. become a Helix mattress right before your very eyes. Bada bing, bada boom, you're sleeping pretty great. And you never need to go to the mattress store again, you guys. Helix is awesome, but you don't have to take our word for it because Helix was awarded the number one best overall mattress pick of 2020 yes. by GQ and Wired Magazine. And again, I say TCO. You guys just go to helixsleep.com slash TCO, take their two-minute sleep quiz, and they'll match you with a customized mattress that will give you the best sleep of your life. And they have a 10-year warranty, so you get to try it out for 
for 100 nights risk-free, and they'll even pick it up for you if you don't love it, but you totally will. Spoiler, you're going to love this mattress. You guys, Helix is offering up to $200 off all mattress orders and two free pillows for our listeners at helixsleep.com slash TCO. That's helix, H-E-L-I-X, sleep.com slash TCO for up to $200 off. You guys, go get your sleep on. You're going to thank us. <laughs> also, Steve is a stomach sleeper? Who knew? He totally is. <laughs> I didn't know that. So the thing is, remember how like how Manson was in charge of all the news that these people got? Right. So what's happening is he is telling them that there is a revolution coming. And all they know is what they hear from him and what was going on in the outside world before they all moved to this fucking ranch in the middle of nowhere. So we're in the middle of the Vietnam War. We're in the middle of the civil rights struggles. They were seeing like acts of violence. And so they believe Manson when he's telling them that this revolution is coming and they have to hide from it. And specifically, a race war, because things weren't bad enough in 1969. We began to distrust. The police wouldn't protect us. The military wasn't going to protect us. We had to count on each other. Charles Manson isolated them from outside reality. They only had him to turn to. So it's July 1st, 1969. It's a month before the Tate-LaBianca murders. There's a bad drug deal. Manson kills a black guy who happens to be a member of the Black Panthers. Manson tells one of these girls, look, the Black Panthers now know where we are and they are coming to get us. And that's going to start this race war and this like revolution where the whites are going to rise up. And I'm like, no one, I don't care how much LSD you're on. No one was like, hey, who decided to follow the racist? This documentary does not get into the racism of this all, but it's yeah. impossible to talk about without talking about how fucking racist this is. Right. It's so racist. And so, like, everything that happens from this moment on is Charles Manson trying to get people to commit murder for him to make it look like black people are out there committing murder. Right. It's the Black Panther. He's trying to blame it on the Black Panther so that he can spark this race war. Yeah. All right. So now we're two weeks out. It's two weeks before the Tate LaBianca murders. Bobby Beausoleil, one of the men on the on the ranch, kills yeah. a guy named Gary Hinman. We cover this way more in the live show. Bobby Beausoleil really didn't want to do this, but it's that's a whole other situation. He really didn't want to do it. And I have an impression that I did that I made up in the moment of like, remember when I was like, ah! yeah, no, it's, it's a tragic story. Like if there's anyone in prison still for being yes. like related to anything Charles Manson did and has remorse, it's it's Bobby Beausoleil. So this murder, this drug deal gone wrong, they tried to make it look like it was the Black Panthers. At the Hinman murder, you have Beausoleil writing political piggy in Hinman's blood and then putting paw prints. But the cops don't buy it. So they arrest this Bobby Beausoleil guy. And this was brand new information for me. I did not know this. The Tate LaBianca murders. And if you guys aren't familiar with the with the Manson story, it's two separate murders that happen like one night and then the next. It's the Sharon right. Tate and her friends and then Mr. and Mrs. LaBianca on another night. And basically Manson convinces his followers to commit these murders to make it look like it was another killing done by the Black Panthers. So the cops would think that Bobby Beausoleil wasn't the murderer in that first murder. Right. They're trying to make it look like whoever actually killed the person that Bobby Beausoleil killed is still out there committing more murders. So they got to let Bobby Beausoleil go. Which makes no sense at all. Like, it's just like, no, what are you- t- and I've never heard that before. I didn't realize that was what was happening here. Pretty sure we covered that in the live show. <laughs> <laughs> so it's like, so our narrator's like- Events had escalated quickly and some would say Manson was completely unhinged. Some would say that Manson was completely unhinged. And I'm like, I'll say, <laughs> yeah. 
So it's the night of the murders at uh, Sharon Tate's house. And the murderers are Tech Watson, Patricia Krenwinkel, Susan Atkins, and Linda Kasabian. And, you know, we're told that, like, on the night of the murders, Charles didn't give explicit instructions, but he said, like, do what needs to be done. And so these four crazy lunatics go to this house and they commit the most violent murders imaginable. And we see crime scene photos that I've never seen before. In the copy of Helter Skelter that I have, Uh the bodies are whited out so you can't see everything. But this is such a brutal, gruesome, ghoulish, unspeakable murder that these crazy people, assholes, murderers committed. And so Squeaky and Sandra Good today to our faces are making excuses for the Tate LaBianca murders. I mean, people think that the murders were committed by people who were bloodthirsty. They were not. They weren't bloodthirsty. They were doing whatever they had to do. War is not murder. Oh, shit. She believes in the race war. That never happened, by the way. Right, exactly. And, like, you know, I don't have complicated feelings on this. Obviously, like, they're murderers and they are brutal murderers. Like, you guys, we're not going to get into, like, what actually happened in there. But it was really, really, really as bad as you can imagine. Yeah. But, like, I don't know. They had been brainwashed. There's still no excuse for it. But, like, they, I don't know. I don't know. Cults are insane. I agree with you. And so does our, one of our experts is like, yeah, okay, the whole brainwashing thing. I get it. Does not. It, that never excuses you of murder. Exactly. I also don't know how Manson decided who he was going to, like, pick for the murder spree and who he wasn't. So Sandra Good, who is as banana pants as they come and is screaming her, her head off, and at this point is straight up drinking for her interview. Yes. She's got a glass of wine in her hand at this all point. All of a sudden, all out of nowhere. <laughs> and believe me, I, I was like, is this the first time we're seeing it? Because she doesn't change anything about her. She's suddenly right. drinking out of a blue glass of wine. And because as she... I'm like, she's been ramping up a lot. And then like every time we see her, she's like more and more and more animated. And then out comes the wine glass. And I'm like, oh, that's why. And her face is getting redder. And like her eyes are a little bit more dilated. She's real mad, you guys. And she starts wagging the finger in everyone's faces. And she's pointing at everybody. And she's getting very, and I'm like, is the camera further back? Did they reset to get farther away from her? Because they should have. She is out of her fucking mind. But like she was obviously very devoted to Manson, but she wasn't picked for this assignment. Instead, she got arrested that day for using stolen credit cards. Yeah, she couldn't be picked. I'm sure she would have loved it. And at one point, Squeaky's like, I didn't, I didn't feel bad that these people were dead. I didn't even know they were alive. That's the wrong fucking way to look at it. Not only, like, that's that's insane. Like, even all these years later, she says that now. That yeah. is not archival footage. These people have not grasped the real world consequences of what they did. Right. The family members of these people might be watching. Like, exactly. It just, it, like, to say something like that makes you sound so fucking insane. And then she doubles down, girl. I got news for you. She makes it worse because she then she's like. But as far as killing goes... I wasn't ready for killing. I hoped that if I needed to, I would. Well, if I ever had to, I hoped I could be that fierce. I'm sorry. Did you just say that you hope that one day, if called upon, you would commit a gruesome murder of an eight and a half month pregnant woman and her friends? It's crazy. And so one more insane thing that Sandra Good says, she's like, you want to talk about devils and demonic and immoral and evil, go to Hollywood. We don't touch the rotten horribleness of that world. Don't even skim it. 
However, we did skim it. Yeah, yeah, we touched it. It needed to be touched. She's obviously hammered because I've when I've been drunk, I've gone in circles <laughs> like this. Cause she she's like, we didn't even skim it, we didn't even touch it. All right, we touched it, but it needed to be it touched. It needed to be touched, and another thing, and that bitch <laughs> over there, actually, now that we're on the subject, she, and I'm like, wait, what are you talking about? She's and still so mad about it. She's so mad. She's mad that we we would have the audacity to question anything that the family did. Again, she, like, all these people have decades to be deprogrammed, and she's yeah. still 100% in it. Before we move on to the LaBianca murders, like, we get this, like, footage of Susan Atkins in an interview. It looks like she's on a talk show. Yeah. I don't know when this fucking was taped, but it was after the murders. It does look like she's on the Merv Griffin show. It really looks like she's on the Merv Griffin show. Yeah. And she is speaking so coldly, and we're not going to play any of the audio because it's too fucking disturbing. There's not enough of a shoulder on the highway for you guys to pull over to hear what she fucking says in this moment. And you'll shatter the glass in your car from screaming. We don't want that for you. We don't want that for you. <laughs> no, you might not have AAA. What do we know? <laughs> I'm just saying, like, what she has to say, it's so horrible. Like, you are looking at the embodiment of just pure evil. It's just, it's crazy. Exactly. It's it's disgusting. So now we're at August 10th, two nights later, and Manson tells them to do the same thing again. And this time they target the LaBianco house, Rosemary and Lino LaBianca. And this time they bring Leslie Van Houten. Remember, like, she was like the prom queen. She hadn't been at the first killing, but now she's like on board for this one. We get this story about like the day of Charlie, like, brings her outside and it's like, hey girl, you crazy? Well, we were all sitting in the kitchen and Charlie pulled me out to the side and he said, are you crazy? And I said, well, yeah. Are you crazy enough to be able to go out and kill someone for this? And I said, yeah. But I was. So he said, okay, go get two changes of clothes and get in the car. Are you kidding? And then... <laughs> There's also Patricia Krenwinkel because he says the same thing to her and we have audio of her and she's like, and so I did. And I'm like, what? I know. It's so crazy. And so they basically just get in the car. They're in Southern California. They get in the car and they just drive around like looking for a house to get. And this was other new information that I didn't get. They get to the LaBianca house, which they, some of the people in the car knew because they had gone to the house next door before. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So they kind of just knew where this rich neighborhood was. Right. Yeah, they knew that like, oh, some guy, he like owned a supermarket chain like okay he must have he must be someone that the Black Panthers would want to target probably whatever right. that means whatever that even means right? and again they describe the murders they're even more gruesome than Sharon Tate at the, the Tate house and it's just it's horrible but then we get Sandra Good again today after we hear about these horrible murders back to back all of these people dead and Sandra Good is like just because a person kills does not make them evil and bad just because someone stabs people to death doesn't make them a bad person oh my god and so the murderers get back to the ranch and like and snake 14 year old snake who like doesn't know anything she's like yeah they got back and leslie was really nice and she gave me money for candy that she had gotten from the house and nobody really talked about it like (laughs) bananas i'm laughing because uh, that just came out of me i could not control that it's so bananas and bonkers and it's just like they all thought it was fine and some of them still do and I can't get over it I won't don't ask me to get over it I won't do it so after the murders Manson's like all right we got it let's just move let's move like even more isolated (laughs) they move hundreds and hundreds of miles deeper into the desert more isolation meanwhile the idiot cops back in LA are trying to solve the murders they are screwing it up and botching it up every step of the way and 
remember this from the live show that like everyone is like these murders are obviously connected like they're obviously right. fake and they're obviously connected and the cops are like we just don't really think so girl it's like the scenes are exactly the same it's like uh, like words scrawled but the dead people's blood like in the same locations I mean they're they're so clearly connected right. but at least the cops weren't like oh it's the Black Panthers you say okay like they didn't right. fall for that part at least is that the silver <laughs> line can you this is the silver lining here that they didn't just go arrest the black guys like that's where we are travel FabFitFun is back, our favorite. You guys, in case you don't know, FabFitFun is the only subscription service that delivers full-size self-care and wellness products straight to your door. Four times a year. You don't have to leave your house. Right. <laughs> you don't have to leave your house and you get full-size products for a fraction of the price. I mean, sign me up. I'm obsessed with FabFitFun. We just got our box. Daisy is a FabFitFun girl now. I don't know if you know about this, but she's obsessed. Look, she's a smart cookie. I got to tell you. <laughs> I just moved as I was unpacking boxes. I swear this is true. Mike came in and said the FabFitFun box came. I stopped putting the dishes away. I'm not kidding. Did the same old routine in the old place. Ripped it out of his hands and just ripped the thing open. I know. <laughs> Pre-order your winter box today. Sign up now. You can snag amazing products like the Summer and Rose Cozy Robe. It's this really, really plush robe. It has front pockets. You know I love pockets. It has a hood. It's all about just like feeling warm and cozy and cuddly in the winter. It's my favorite new thing. Or you guys, the Unhide Lil Marsh a blanket that Daisy ripped out of the box, wrapped herself in, and hasn't been away from ever since because it's incredibly soft, it's oversized, it's made with faux chinchilla, it's perfect for cozying up on a wintry night. Daisy is a little marshmallow, so she has a little marshmallow blanket. How cute. You guys use coupon code TCO for $10 off your first box at fabfitfun.com. Yeah, one more time. Use coupon code TCO for $10 off your first box at fabfitfun.com. Go get that little marshmallow blanket, you guys. Wrap up. Yeah, you little marshmallow. <laughs> my favorite part of the, my favorite, I say, my favorite part of this whole thing is that, they, you know, the Manson family moves 200 miles away into the middle of the desert. And they say, like, no one was looking at them for the murders, but they were looking at them for all these stolen cars. So we get the story. Snake tells the story that she's like, they were arresting us for grand larceny, which I was in the middle of washing my hair. The door blew open and. I've got a gun, you know, pointed at me. This is my other favorite story from the live show. The marshals just kick the door open and they say, like, everyone scatters. Manson hides under the sink, you guys. <laughs> like the cabinet. His hair sticking out. He, remember, he's five foot two. He can fit anywhere. Totally. Even, you know, that big pipe that's underneath, like, that does, does not pose any threat to him being in there. He can sneak right under it. They haven't eaten in a month because it's exactly. like a rotten banana or nothing. So they. They end up arresting some of yeah. the Manson family members for stealing these cars. They had no idea they were on the scene. They were like at the place with all of them, all the murderers. So they put right. all the women stupidly in the same jail cell. <laughs> Why is that stupid? So that they can all talk and conspire and get their shit together. Oh, you're fucking with me. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm like, no, I just was like, well, we're not just like saying that women are gossips or anything. Oh, are no. right? <laughs> I'm saying, how do you put... <laughs> <laughs> I'm imagining that they develop their own society. They elect leaders. Well, you know, it's very, very dangerous to give women any kind of education or any kind of power. Um, no, that's clear. That's very, that's that's really come through in these 150 apps. Super clear. Um, <laughs> but so they're arrested for these car jackings or whatever. And so Susan Atkins, Sadie, yeah. who was at the murderer, who's acting crazy now, talking with, with dead eyes about the murderers today. Yeah. She is just telling everyone, like it's in the paper. She's like, hey, I did that. She's tapping the paper. Hey, that was me. 
Why? Why did she do that? Because she loved it. Like, she just liked being the girl from the cult or whatever. Or she, like, and she truly believed, like, I was a really important part of this. Like, don't you understand what we're doing with the race war? Like, that was me. Like, I have a purpose now. And, like, one of our talking heads is like, the investigation really was not going anywhere fast. When they searched the premises, they found no evidence of robbery, no suggestion of motive. The police bungled the case. You guys, they had no leads. They were going nowhere in this investigation. No. All of a sudden, like, Sadie's, like, jailhouse roommate is like, uh, girls? We meet her in the live show. I know. I loved her, remember? <laughs> I just hope she's okay. I've, I've... She was just a cool, she was cool. And, like, she was interviewed back in the day, and they have that archival tape that they use in the other version of this. I remember she had yes. eyeliner that it made me crazy in the good <laughs> way. I was like, look yeah. at that, like, thick 70s eyeliner. I it was know. so good. It was so on brand. So. And she she basically solved the Tate LaBianca murders, like single-handedly let the women do the work. Yeah, she was like, um, hi, just so you know, yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. I'm with the murderer. Also, get me the hell out of this jail cell. I did nothing wrong. <laughs> so basically, like, this all goes to trial, and everything is terrifying. You guys, if you've ever seen the footage of the Manson women, like, walking up and down the halls of the courthouse, oh. it is fucking terrifying. It's terrifying. We hear things that, like, you know, because Manson wasn't there, so, like, the prosecutors had to, like, Show that he was the mastermind. Manson would stand up and say something, then the three girls would stand up and say the same thing. And Manson put an X on his forehead, and the next day the girls had X's on their forehead. It played right into our hands because we were trying to show that he was the mastermind and that he ordered these murders. Charles Manson carves an X into his forehead, and then the next day these women show up at the courthouse with X's carved in their foreheads. And shaved heads. Oh, God, it's so crazy. They would sing on the corner. They would have love letters. And and then crazy Sandra Good tells the story. She goes, well, I was Charlie's legal writer. What the hell (laughs) is that? What are you talking about? You're burying the lead. She said she would show up at the courthouse with her baby. She would hitchhike with her baby to visit him in the L.A. County Jail. And I have everything about that sentence is wrong. Do we know where her kid is? Like, how did that go? Hopefully fine. I don't know. Oh, my God. But uh, you would hitchhike with your baby to go be Charles Manson's legal writer? What is that? That's not a lawyer. The one thing I forgot to mention was when she got out of jail for the credit card scam, she hitchhiked all the way home got herself an ice cream cone and walked to the ranch. Good. Anything to make Sandra good happy. Let's get her the goddamn ice cream cone. But basically, like, they all get convicted. They all get the death penalty. And then, like, years later, it has to be overturned because California abolishes the death penalty. So these people go from getting the death sentence to life with the possibility of parole. Yeah, and so they have, like, character or whatever, like, statements or, or something, and Sandra Good, with who's now full-on slurring her words with this uh, on her eighth <laughs> glass of wine, full-on slurring her words. She's like, I stood up and said, the court is, uh, this court is a mockery of justice. And another one of the women stood up and said something else, and another one stood up and said something else. I got up to the court, the court, and I said, I said to them, I said, this is a mockery of justice. And then someone else got up and said something, and then another person said something else, and then they said something else, and then someone else said another thing. And I'm like, riveting, Sandra. That's an excellent story. You should write that one down. 
what are you? And then someone else said something else and I said this and I'm like, Sandra. So Squeaky has not been in prison because she's like a main player in, in the family, but she hasn't been arrested for anything until five years after the Tate-LaBianca trial, Squeaky was arrested for attempting to assassinate President Gerald Ford, which is why she's in the yeah, show yeah. Assassins. Yeah, and it's a crazy story. Like I heard that Ford was coming and I thought, oh, I'll go and I'll go and talk to him. And then I thought, he's not going to talk to you. He's going to stop on his way. He's not going to stop. And then I thought, well, maybe I'll bring a gun. The way I, Patrick, the way I watched this 10 times, I took screenshots, I sent it to Ashley, I sent it to Jensen, I showed Mike, because then she goes, like, she's talking about the time she went on a picnic, like, and then I thought, maybe I'll get the brie, but she's like, but then I thought, well, maybe I'll bring a gun, she's looking off to God knows where, she's looking off camera, and she goes, so I just, so I have the gun, and I went, and I stuck it out there, and I went to shoot the guy, and then the Secret Service came, and they wrestled me down to the ground, and I just kept telling them it's okay the gun didn't go off it's okay and i'm like what the hell so then she gets arrested and they arrest sandra good because of course these two batshit banana heads were living together they were roommates i mean what i know and squeaky was supposed to go to jail for life she ends up getting out yeah then susan she's the one who tells us i did my time and then i refused to leave I said, I don't want out until my my people get a fair trial. They had to basically kick me out. Like, what is happening? And all I can say is that Squeaky and Susan both live somewhere. Like, you know, like they like they have neighbors and they go to the grocery store. Like, Squeaky lives upstate. She lives she like does? not that like a driving distance from where we are right now. Oh my god! I yeah. never want to meet her, girl. I never. never. Want. Squeaky, if you're listening, you're probably on the page at the five. I really, really, really don't want to be your friend, girl. And also, shut up. Right. That's for me. <laughs> <laughs> We did Manson the Women. That one was all over the place, girl. I know. It doesn't it feel like you were kind of really interacting with the cult though? I know. Doesn't it feel <laughs> it like, does. oh, so this this is exhausting. <laughs> this is what it was like. And you know what? Like, I, okay, enough. No more documentaries on Charles Manson. I know. Uh, this is too much. <laughs> it's I'm over it. Same. I'm Same. done. I say I don't know why like anyone's gonna listen to me. Nobody listens to me about anything, but <laughs> if I could put a request out there, I know I have a lot of demands on this podcast. Um, but one of them is like, can we drop it? He's dead. I'm totally fine with that. Great. He's dead and I feel great. You guys, if you want more Jillian and me, don't forget, join the Patreon. Over 150 full bonus episodes to download and binge right this second. Go find our live show. It's on their video form, you guys. You can actually see the actual live show. It's really good. It's really funny. Yeah. It's, uh, it's so long ago, too, it feels like. We're, it was, we were babies. We were podcast babies. You guys, also, don't forget, Thursday, you're getting another episode of Unsolved Mysteries right here in the regular feed. As GP says, you have to do nothing. Yeah. You just wait up on Thursday and you go, oh shit, another episode. That's what you do. Or however you choose. Not going to micromanage your reaction, but it's going to be there waiting for you. Enjoy it. Girl, what are we doing next? We are doing an honest liar. What is that? Do you know? It's in like the kooky section of our Google Doc about these. It's about this famous magician. His name was the amazing Randy. He was like an escape artist and he retired from magicianry, from magic and now his whole point in life is to expose like con artists and those like televangelists who try to like save people, but it's all fake and like psychics oh. and like people who try to con you and like he's all about like using deception to deceive the people who are trying to deceive us it's like it's a nice break from the cults i'll tell i'll oh. say that right now 
You guys stay tuned for the trailer for that and our <laughs> hilarious outtakes. Uh, you can find everything TCO related at truecrimeobsessed.com. It's where we have our merch, all of our episodes, all the promo codes for the ads. You find TCO on Instagram at truecrimeobsessedpodcast, right, girl? Yes. Every And every Tuesday we go live and just chat for a little bit. That's right. Tuesday at noon, we call it Ladies Who Lunch, you guys. Ladies Who Lunch, yeah. And if you're on the West Coast, it's Ladies Who Breakfast Late. Uh-huh. <laughs> uh, they can find you at Jillian with a G and all the things. You are at Patrick Hines on Twitter and Patrick Hines underscore on Insta. Oh, you guys, we love you. We love you. Thanks so much. And I promise we're done with Mason. Yeah. <laughs> all right, bye. Bye. If I thought that any of this would be used, I would abandon the film entirely. Gentlemen, I'm the amazing Randy. The amazing Randy. The amazing Randy. Ta-da! A conjurer, prestidigitator, liar, cheat, and fake. The life of Harry Houdini reads very similar to the life of James Randi. If you're going to get your head cut off, you go to the best guy. Amazing Randi was the best guy. Randi, you've been going around the country trying to debunk those who say that it's psychic power. I can't think of that technical term. Oh, yeah, it's bullshit. What I do is bending or breaking objects. Uri Geller pulled the pants off them. It was astonishing. Bend. Look. Can you do the spoon bending trick? Does Dolly Parton sleep on her back? <laughs> do you know how many times Randy tried to ruin my career? I'll take two eight right there. That man that puts the fear of God into all those psychics. The amazing Randy! The easiest way to be bigger than yourself is to lie. I was terrified. A man who's devoted his whole life to uncover real deception has at the center of his life a deception. Only one of these people is sworn to tell the truth. What a situation. No matter how smart or well-educated you are, you can be deceived. name either her name is like it's l-i-s and her last name is w-i-e-h-l how do you say that liz wheel okay <laughs> okay great the sex club before work as we as you pointed out in the mansion episodes you're fine with what i think it's a good idea <laughs> now the more i think about it the more yeah. i'm like the 8 a.m slot is usually yeah. it's gotta be booked <laughs> More often than you'd think. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Right? That's yeah. how you want to go into the big meeting. You don't want to save it for after. You want to go into the big meeting feeling... Relaxed. A certain kind of way. Yeah. <laughs>